Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you. Um, you likely have never heard of the town, the village of Kyandun, and there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, this town, Kyandun, is in North Korea. So, uh, for most of us in the room, as soon as I say that, you understand that, uh, of course, that part of the world, specifically that country, has really uh, sectioned itself, separated itself off from the rest of the world. So. Uh, there's not a lot of travel going in and out of that place. So that in and of itself makes it a unique place. But what's really unique uh, about this town, about this village uh, toward the border of North Korea is that th- there's a lot, as you look at it, that stands out to you. A, a big hospital, brightly colored buildings, one of the tallest flagpoles to ever be constructed anywhere in the world. But the reason that you and I have never heard of the town, the village of Kyandun, is because it's not real. Literally, years and years ago, uh, when uh, North Korea and South Korea continued to be kind of enemies, and and there was kind of not the ability to cross the border, still really isn't, they ordered the construction of this town, this village, about a mile from the border, so it could be visible to South Korea and the rest of the world, and they created a, a village, a town, a small city that would give the appearance of a lot of good things happening, would give the appearance of, of a great economy, would give the appearance of a place that you would want to live. But as technology improved over time and as they could have the technology and surveillance to look over the border, they realized that while the outside of all the buildings that were constructed looked perfect and great and wonderful, inside none of the buildings were actually complete. No one lived in this place. No one was there. It was totally built for looks, for appearances, to give the appearance, hey, look how good we're doing here. But inside, it was, it was a sham. I open with that story today because I actually think, as crazy as that sounds for many of us, if we're not careful, that's how we live our lives. With the outward appearance that everything is good, we, we do the right things, we show up when we need to, we say the things we need to, we do the things we're supposed to do, but inside it's all a, a sham. We live this kind of outside-in life, and, and we're in the midst of a series, and we've entitled this series Jesus And, and, and this series is really helping us identify places in our life, areas of our life that are not completely surrendered to God, where we're not being obedient Last week, I used the illustration of a cafeteria tray, which if some of us in the room are honest, we really like eating off that, right? Because it's got the sections and we don't want the juice from our meat to flow in over here to our vegetable and we don't want our potatoes touching our dessert. And so if it was socially acceptable, some of you at lunch today would pull out the tray and have little sections for your stuff, right? And that's how we live sometimes in a relationship with God. We give him sections parts of our lives, areas where we're most comfortable, and what we're learning, what we're learning is that's not the way that God desires us to live. That's not the relationship that he desires for us. And Jesus, while he was on this earth, before he left, before he departed, 
he spoke of a gift that he would give in his absence. And in fact, he said, it is better for you that I leave. This is Jesus right here on the earth. He was saying, it's better for you that I leave so that my spirit can come. That's how important this is. And the Holy Spirit became uh, his presence here on earth while Jesus ascended into heaven. He left his spirit here. And his spirit is so important because now the presence of God, we don't have to go to a building to experience the presence of God. It can live inside of us. And the spirit uh, speaks to us and, and convicts us and guides us. And last week, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 16, we read these words from the Apostle Paul, but we have the mind of Christ. That literally, we can allow the Spirit of God to live in us in such a way that we can have His mind. His thoughts can be our thoughts. And so this is the kind of life that we're called to, not an outside-in life, but being transformed from the inside out. In fact, we closed last week with, with this realization that true transformation begins not by acting differently, but by thinking differently. That it begins in here. It begins in here. That, that there's nothing wrong with act, acting differently. I, I believe that that's powerful, and I believe God might want to transform some things in our lives, some behaviors in our life, but true transformation begins not by acting differently, but by thinking differently. Because we're in the business of being transformed from the inside out. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you would turn there with me, if you have your copy of Scripture. Uh, this is one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And we're just going to spend a few minutes going kind of verse by verse through six different verses that Jesus shared. And specifically today, we've entitled our message, Jesus and My Enemies. Jesus and my enemies, because this is one place, this is one section that if we're not careful, we would say, oh yeah, I, I, I love Jesus, and I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I, I got a relationship with him, and he's got every area of my life, man, every area of my life, except, ooh, don't talk about that person, don't talk about this enemies, the people that have hurt us, the people that have wronged us, the people that we don't like. And so today, I, I want to talk about this area by focusing our message today on Jesus and my enemies. And, and Jesus had a lot to say about our relationship with our enemies, about our relationship with those around us that we may not even like. And so we're going to read starting in verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm just going to pause several times and come up for air because there's really, really rich stuff that Jesus is saying, and I want to get it. I want to get it to, together today as we understand what it is that God is speaking to us about. And so verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5 begins by saying this, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is speaking to a hillside of people that have gathered. And this is one of the most famous sermons ever preached. And it wasn't preached because Jesus said, hey, we're having service tonight at seven. Come and, and bring your friends. And no, it just, it just happened. He's just teaching. But in the midst of it, the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is really trying to do is he's trying to bring life to what we would call the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is the Old Testament, which uh, many who are, who are listening would be familiar with. And Jesus came. He didn't come to do away with the Old Covenant, but to fulfill it and to show us the spirit of the law. And so he begins uh, throughout this section, he's talking about adultery and divorce and oaths. And, and now he, he turns this idea to, to loving enemies. And what he wants to do is really bring to light 
the philosophy of the day and show his way. And so he begins by speaking of love your enemy. And if you know, uh, if you're familiar at all with the New Testament, you know it was written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there's many different words for love. We've talked about this before. That there's a Greek word for love, like the love I have for my wife, romantic love. And let me tell you, that love is a little different than I have for anyone else, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that I wouldn't use the same word for how I feel about Lauren that I, how I feel about you. I mean, that, don't be offended, but you know, it's different, right? And so in Greek, we understand that. There's a different word for romantic love. There's a different word for the love among family, the feelings that we have and the commitment that we have among family. There's a different word for love in, in the way that we love our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. And, and I say all that to say that Jesus now uses another word for love, and it's none of those words. It's the word agape, agape love. And this is the most perfect form of love. This is an unconquerable love. But the reason I share that with you today is I think it's important to note that Jesus is not asking you and I, he's not preaching here about loving your enemy in the same way you would love your brother, the same way you would love your spouse, the same way you look longingly into the eyes of your girlfriend, right? right? That, that's not what Jesus is saying here. And he's talking about a different kind of love, agape love, that, that inconquerable love, because the love I have for my family, the love I have for Lauren, it, it is not always easy, right? We know that, 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 that when you, you, you know, husbands, you wake up next to the woman of your dreams and you look into her eyes and you know, she looks perfect, and there's all the emotion, right, right? We know that love is messy and hard, but the love I have for Lauren, the love I have for my children, it's, it's a love that comes from the heart. It's overflowing. Many days I look at them, and it's, man, it's not hard for me to love them. It's, it's love of the heart, but Jesus now is not talking about loving our enemies with the love of the heart. He's speaking of agape love, and that's, that's love of the will, that's love of the will. It's a love of determination. It's a love that we have to will ourselves to do. And so this is not an easy love. This is not a natural overflow. I look into her eyes and I hear the music playing and I'm drawn. No, 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 no. That's a love of, of emotion, a love of the heart. But this agape is a love of the will. And so what Jesus is saying is and this is a hard love. This is a love that begins not in here, uh, but with your emotions and your heart, but in your mind. And so we began by speaking of the mind of Christ. And it's with that same idea that Jesus speaks of us loving our enemies. Let's continue on. It says, uh, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus isn't saying this so that you will be blessed. Love your enemies so that you know, you'll be blessed, and you'll be wealthy, and you'll be, everyone will think well of you, and, and maybe, yeah, there's blessing in loving our enemies, but the reason that Jesus is telling us to love our enemies is because that's what it means to be children of God. That's what it means to be identified with him, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King, and if we are his children, then man, we, we've got to love even those that we don't like even those that we would say are our enemies, even those that would want to do us harm. Jesus says, love them, pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because you're children. You're children of your Father in heaven. Let's continue. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
verse 47, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Jesus, what he's really doing here is identifying a, a principle. Uh, I'll call it the principle of reciprocity. Now that's a fun word to say, right? right? But, but it's this idea that we reciprocate love. And so the common philosophy of the day, which is a philosophy that we can identify with today, that Jesus was speaking thousands of years ago, but this sounds like it could have been spoken to us today, that we often love because they love us back. We reciprocate the love, that we love those who love us, and we don't really care about those who do bad things to us. It's this reciprocal that if you love me, I'm going to love you back, but if you hurt me, if you cross me, if you speak badly about me, man... No, I'm drawing the line, the boundary line. But Jesus says, I'm not calling you to a love uh, that's reciprocated. I'm calling you to love to be the initiators of love, not reciprocators of love. Man, that's easy. The tax collectors are doing that. The pagans are doing that. It's easy to love those who love you. It's easy to draw the boundary lines when people don't love you. But I'm calling you to a love not of reciprocity. No, no, no. I'm calling you to initiate love initiate love, not to get sucked into uh, someone else's cycle of, of anger and bitterness and disappointment and, and to begin to reciprocate that in relationship. No, 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 no. As followers of Jesus, you are called to love everyone and you are called to initiate love. I, I wrote this down in the uh, margin of my Bible that we must, this kind of love that Jesus is talking about is not reactive, but proactive. Do you see the difference? That we often love and it's reactive. Well, how they make me feel and, and what they do to me and how they've hurt me and how they've wronged me. And let me tell you, I understand that kind of love. But this is not the kind of love that Jesus is speaking of. It's not a reactive kind of love. It's, it's not a love of, of emotion. It's a love of the will. And it's a love that must be proactive. That's what he's called us to. And then... And then the final end of the passage here, verse 48, Jesus says one of the most painful, maybe for some of us, one of the hardest, maybe the one of the most confusing verses in the entire Sermon on the Mount, maybe the entire Scripture Bible. He says this, read with me, Romans 5, verse 48. After saying all those things, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, if there was ever a temptation to just stop preaching a verse early, today would have been it. Because I think I was doing pretty well up till now. I think I kind of, some of you were tracking a little bit, um, stumble a little bit over my words. I say um too many times. But up until 47, I think I'm doing all right. And then Jesus had the audacity to say that. And I don't know about you, but when I read Matthew 5, verse 48, I, I feel a little bit like, okay, well, I'm out. <laughs> I mean... Love and enemies, that's hard. Not a love that's reciprocated, man, that's hard. But now, Jesus, you say, be perfect as I am perfect? Well, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> and so for that reason, man, it's really important that we lean in and understand what Jesus is trying to say because I actually think while your first reaction may be to run away, while your first reaction may be, I can't do this, your first reaction may be, this is impossible, I actually think what Jesus is trying to say in Matthew 5, verse 48, provides incredible hope for you and for me. The Greek word there, and again, I just come back to this because I think it's helpful to understand what Jesus is saying, but that Greek word, perfect, as it's interpreted here, is the word teleos, and that's 
That means nothing to you. But that Greek word, if you, if you understand and you look throughout the New Testament, that word is often used, and it's really used to speak of growth in completeness. Like a, a full-grown man is teleos compared to a young boy who's just beginning to hit his first growth spurt. A student at the university who's in their final year and in their final classes preparing, they're teleos compared to the freshman who's wide-eyed walking onto campus and has no idea what they're doing. Uh, someone who's grown and matured and discovered the purpose for which they were created, man, that person is teleos compared to the person who's just wandering aimlessly in this life. This is a word of growth and completeness. And so what Jesus is really saying, is he's, he's saying in the midst of this impossible standard of love, he's saying be complete as I am complete. Grow into my image, into my likeness. It's as if Jesus is telling us if we would be tempted in the first five verses to feel overwhelmed with dread, to feel overcome with this is impossible, Jesus stops to say, oh, by the way, this is not about you doing it. It's about me. It's about me. In high school, I, um, well, I, I still don't. I don't know a lot about cars. Those of you that know me know that's true. And I know where a few valuable things are, like doors and steering wheels and brakes and stuff. But um, not like brakes under the car, like the brake pedal. Okay, very basic. But um, that's where I'm at. And so I remember, though, a valuable lesson that I learned when I was in high school. So I'd been driving for a little while, and I was old enough that um, there was a kind of a church event that was a little ways out of town. And so I was driving to that, and we were waiting for a couple friends to arrive who were also driving. And, and they were late, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And we finally get word. We, we get a call that they were at a gas station about an hour away, and they stopped for gas. And the problem is they had a, a car that took gasoline and they put diesel fuel in it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I know that now. At the time I thought, well, what's the big deal? Physically, it, it is impossible to run a car that's meant, and some of you like students in the room, if you didn't know that, you know now, right? It, it is impossible to run a car that's meant to run on gasoline with some other fuel. It's impossible. It, it physically won't work right? Because that car was designed, was created to be sourced, to, to be given life through the fuel that it was created for. And that is a terrible analogy, but what I'm trying to say is what Jesus is telling us here in the Sermon on the Mount is be careful. Be careful that you don't try to fuel this on your own. Be careful that you don't try to source this kind of love through your own doing. You must be complete. You must grow. You must grow into perfect completion as I am. In other words, Jesus is saying this is not about the outward working in. This is not about the appearance of love. Man, this is about letting me work deep within you, letting my spirit do its work deep within you. Jesus is not speaking. He's not speaking about loving your enemy, and he's not just telling us to smile more, right? Like you walk through the neighborhood, and you can't stand that person. You're like, eh, right? That's not it. That's not what Jesus is going for here. Jesus is not interested. Jesus did not come to make us moral people. I, I like morals. Man, I think they're important, but that is not why Jesus came. He didn't come just to fill the world with good people that were kind and nice so the world would be a better place. That's not why he came. Jesus came because he wants to make you like him. He wants to fill you with his presence. Look, that's the problem. We hear Jesus like Jesus, and we think, well, that's, 
man, I can't do that because I, I got this thing I can't do and that thing and I can't do and I can't be good enough and I'm not strong enough and I'm not disciplined enough. And I, so we just give up on that. But Jesus is calling us to a radical view of love where we don't love just the people that we like and we don't just love the people that love us, but we love all people. And the only way to do that, he tells us in verse 48, man, is you have to be sourced by me. You have to let me be the fuel because that is the only way to be perfect. Be teleos as I am teleos. That is what he's desperately trying to show us. Find your completeness in me. Find your purpose in me. Stop looking everywhere else and turn to me because that is the only way to love like that. This morning, I want to invite you to a, a simple but I believe it's a powerful prayer. Because I, I just, as I prepared this week, I think that I'm not the only one. I think I'm not the only one who is tempted to live my life from the outside in. I think I'm not the only one who is tempted to feel like I'm failing because I don't measure up to the success of those around me. I'm not the only one who, who looks at myself and can see all the things I'm doing wrong and feel like a, a holy, perfect God could never love and, and use me. I can't be the only one today that sometimes it just feels easier to give God part of my life than to give him all because it's just a mess. And so today, if that's you today, I'm sharing for you, I'm speaking to you, and I want to offer you a prayer that is transforming me from the inside out. It's a simple prayer, and we're going to pray here in a few minutes, but for now, I just I want to share with you what I believe this prayer is. The first it's a prayer that begins by just admitting, admitting, admitting that what we just read, what Jesus says, his call for us as believers, as all believers, not just extra credit believers, not just the crazy ones, but everyone who would come after him, who would bear his name, Christian, follower of Christ, that this standard is impossible. What we just read is an impossible standard for me to fulfill on my own. I can't do that. I can't love my enemies. I can't love people who would want to bring destruction on me. I, I can't speak blessing over them. I can't do that on my own. And some of us, the most powerful prayer that we could pray today is just simply admitting, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I've tried. And what it ends up looking like is like behavior modification, just trying to be a good person, trying to smile more. And, be, and, and God, it's not real. Because it's, it's transformation from the outside in. And God, I, I can't do that. And some of you, just admitting that, man, that is it's one of the most powerful things you can do today. But next, the beautiful thing about this, because if we just stop there, and man, we would feel pretty hopeless. But the beautiful thing for us is it's not just a prayer of admitting, but it's a prayer of surrender. And it, once we admit that this is a standard that we can't do on our own, once we admit that we don't have the power to make this happen in our own strength, we can surrender and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. God, I don't have the power to pull this off, but God, you do. You do through your spirit, right? That's what we've been talking about. The spirit of God wants to live in you. If you let him, if you invite him, if you let him guide your life, the spirit of the living God wants to live inside of you. But it happens not by trying harder, not by trying to produce all these good things. No, no, no. By simply surrendering every part of your life and saying, I want to be sourced by you. 
I don't want to be sourced by my morals and trying hard enough and working hard and, and, and being good enough. And I, that's not enough anymore, God. I surrender. I want to be sourced by you. God, give me your mind, the mind of Christ. Give me a pure heart, God. You can purify my heart. Give me your eyes to see the world around me. I surrender. I admit I cannot do it, but I surrender and believe that you can. And then the beautiful thing, the beautiful part about Matthew chapter 5 is this third word, and it's engage. <laughs> engage. That Then when we live that kind of way, when we pray that kind of way, when we allow God to work from the inside out in our lives, then we can engage a world around us. Through his power and through his strength, and through his love, it's not a performance. It's not, we, we better go out there and love better and try harder and, and breathe three times and count to ten before I respond. I mean, man, that stuff's okay, but I want to be sourced not by me. I want to be sourced by his strength. And when we do that, we can engage a world around us with the love of Jesus Christ. As he makes us like him, Man, something really powerful happens because each and every person that you and I come into contact with is in the middle of a story, the story of their life. And what part will you play in that story? Will you bring hope? Will you bring healing? Will you bring redemption? Or will you bring judgment, condemnation, a love of reciprocity? I'll love you when you love me. That's not the kind of love God called us to. That's not who he has called us to be. And the beauty is when we surrender and allow his spirit to truly work in us, then we can engage the world around us. I wrote this down. I think it's so good. I think it's so important that as the spirit transforms us, each person who encounters us encounters the living God. Think about that for a minute, man. It's not about you being a superhero. Oh, look at them. They're like Jesus. They're acting like Jesus. They're responding like Jesus. They're behaving like, man, that, that's a standard that I can't do on my own. But if I allow his spirit to live in me, then every room I walk into, the spirit of God's walking in the room with me. That literally, we've said this sometimes on our staff, that we pray often, and it's, it sounds like a weird prayer, but we believe it's true, that if God's spirit lives in me, when I walk in the room, it's a good thing because he's with me and he can use me, and he can fill me, and he can give me words to say, and he can give me patience to persevere, and he can give me the mind of Christ, his discernment, and that is what the world needs. The world doesn't need another Christian trying to be moral, trying to be nice, trying to be good. That's not what the dying, lost world around you needs to see. They need Jesus, and I can't do that on my own, but he today wants to fill you with his presence, fill you with his spirit, purify your heart, give you his mind and allow you to be his presence, his hands, his feet in a world around you. And that, that is what the world around us needs. That is what the world around us needs. I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. And we're going to just dim the lights for a moment because really everything that we've done this morning is about what we're going to do right now. And that's, we're going to have the opportunity to respond. We're going to have the opportunity to obey we talked last week about being in step with the Spirit, that we have a choice. We can quench the Spirit. We can say no. We can push Him away. We can fend off what God is wanting to do. Or today, maybe you sense the Spirit of God speaking. And today, you would choose a posture. 
a posture that would say, God, I admit that I can't do this on my own and I surrender to your spirit, your work. Maybe today you know Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, but there are areas of your life that you have not surrendered to him. And so today is about choosing who is it that's going to be Lord of your life. Not just Savior, he's done that. But today, who is it that you are going to allow to lead your life? And today, there is power. There is power in allowing him, surrendering him, allowing his spirit to be the source, to be the fuel, to be what guides you. And that's what the world around us desperately needs. They need to see Jesus. So today, if that's you, with just in this moment of being still and quiet, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I just think there's some of us in the room today. We've been trying to live an outside-in kind of life. We've been trying to fix all the stuff that's broken on the outside, but we've neglected to see that you, God, want to source us from the inside out. And so if that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to do something that we don't often do. But I'm just going to ask you right there at your seat, would you just stand this morning? I want to pray for you. You don't have to come forward. We're not going to pass you a microphone. But today I just felt led. This is important enough for some of us in the room that I'm just going to invite you to, to take a step. Just stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you. And I believe that God's presence is here. And I believe he is moving. And I believe that some of us today want to respond to the power of God, to his spirit, and allow him to come. Every compartment, every area to make it obedient to Christ. And so, God, I, I pray now for those that are standing. Uh, maybe others want to stand. It's not too late, God. I pray today that simple prayer that we just prayed, God, that we admit that we can't do this on our own. We can't live. This is an impossible standard. But we just admit today, God, that we are not enough on our own, but we surrender today to the power of your spirit. Not in some areas, not in some places. Lord, we want you to have it all because God, we believe you want to make us like Christ. That's what Jesus said, to be complete, to be whole as I am complete. And, and Jesus, you can do that through the power of your spirit. And so today, we hold nothing back from you. We surrender it all to you because, Lord, we want to love the world around us. We want to love broken people, hurting people, lost people that you've placed in and around us, in our schools and in our campuses and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. And Lord, you're asking us to go, but you're not sending us in our strength. You are sending us through the power of your spirit. And today, Lord, we just say, yes, thank you. I receive your spirit. I don't disarm you any longer. I don't push you away. I don't try to do this on my own strength. No, today I surrender and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be who you want me to be to a lost and dying world. Lord, we fear not today because you're with us. We fear not because you have not sent us to do this alone. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that you're with us and you're for us. Church, would you stand to your feet now this morning as we prepare to close? Good things are happening in this room today. The Spirit of God is at work in this room today. Some people in this room, man, lives are being changed not from the outside in, man, from the inside out, that the Spirit of God is moving and working. And today, I, I want to close uh, by singing, and I want to close by worshiping. And if you didn't stop to think about it today, we've been talking about loving our enemies. Do you know? Do you realize that we were once all enemies of God because of sin, because of brokenness, that you and I, the Bible says we deserve death. 
because of sin. And the Bible, the truth of God's word, is even while we were sinners, even while we were enemies, he died for us. And so today, I don't know who you are in the room, but every single one of us have a reason we can sing. Every single one of us have a reason that we can celebrate. Why? Because you deserve punishment. You deserve to be treated as an enemy, but God sees you today, and he loves you with the agape love, the unconquerable love. And so today, we sing, and we celebrate, and we worship as children of God who are dearly loved. That's good news, amen? That's good news. Let's celebrate today. Let's worship. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a beaconofhope.org. That's info at a beaconofhope.org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and then at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes. 